0: Well, welcome to lesson number two on the principles of faith. And we're calling this lesson, How to Get Faith. Uh, One of the famous quotes in the book of Luke is when the disciples, when Jesus told the disciples, if your brother sinned against you, forgive him seven times 70. And the disciples said, "Mm -hmm, increase our faith. Because who wants to forgive somebody 490 times in a day? So Jesus transitions from forgiveness to, well, if you had faith, like a grain of a mustard seed, you'd speak you'd say. So the question is not a matter of increasing your faith through prayer, but through actually doing it and speaking. We covered some of that last week. But what we want to cover this week is how to get faith because we need to increase our faith. The Bible speaks of an ever-increasing faith in, in, in Thessalonians. And so how do we as a Christian increase the faith that we've got? How do we get it and how do we increase it? It is a certain fact that just because you're born again doesn't mean you're ever going to go anywhere for God. You can go somewhere for God if you want to, and if you're going to go somewhere for God, you've always got to be stretching and applying your faith. I've taught it many times here over the years now. It it is a sad fact that many Christians will live and die and go to heaven at the same level of Christian maturity and Christian faith that they were saved at, and that is not the will of God. We have a whole series of lessons called the four stages of Christian growth. They start with baby Christians, little children, young men, and fathers or mothers in the faith, and unfortunately, many Christians, I'm, I'm thoroughly, so far, have experienced most Christians to live and die in the first two stages, little child, baby and little child stage. They never advance on to young men and young women in the faith or fathers or mothers in the faith. And let that never be any of us. May we all say, Lord, I want to increase in my faith. I want to increase in my maturity. I want to increase in responsibility. So how do we get faith? Everyone, let's look at our lessons here. Everyone, whether lost or saved, has a measure of faith. Uh, Romans 12, 3 says, But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Faith is just the the firm conviction and belief in your heart. And anybody, whether you're a pagan, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist, we all operate in faith. Faith is not a New Testament principle. Faith is totally uh, from the Garden of Eden when God made man. Faith is God. God is a God of faith. And the Bible tells us to have the God kind of faith. So faith is not just limited to the New Testament. Everybody under the Old Testament operated in faith too. So we all have a measure of faith. The question is, is it going to stay the same? Are we investing it in the right place? Or are we going to increase our faith and put more and more of it in God? The more faith you grow in in the Bible and in the things of God, and the more faith you invest in God, the more you'll do for Him. You show me somebody doing a lot for God, I'll show you great faith. You show me somebody doing nothing for God, I show you no faith. Uh, one of the things I learned from one of the pastors, Pastor Aaron in Iceland, he, we were t- they were setting in an, a, a pastor, an associate pastor in an ordination service, and uh, he had an awesome comment. He said, they, he said, people often ask me, how can you tell if somebody's called to the ministry? And Pastor Aaron's wisdom was, he said, uh, show me what they're doing and I'll show you whether they're called to the ministry. He said, you can tell when, whether somebody's called or not by what they're doing for the kingdom right now. He's talking about active faith. So here, this verse lets us know that everybody has the faith, has a measure of faith. Excuse me, not the faith, but everybody has a measure of faith. Atheists believe in something. Muslims believe in Muhammad and Allah. Buddhists believe in Zen and Nirvana. Confucius, they don't know what they believe. Uh, You know, Joseph Smith's followers, they believe in a book that's, you know, 2,000 years after the Bible. Everybody's got faith. The question is, where is our faith invested? We control that totally. Everyone has the ability to believe, and God gives man the free will to believe whatever he wants. However, the Bible tells us what to do with this faith believe God, but believe in him, believe him, trust him, trust in his word. One of the things we've got to be mindful of is that faith comes by hearing, and we'll certainly look at that verse before it's over this morning. Faith comes by hearing. And it really, I've had a lot of discussions here lately with folks, because we are marching into the end times. Uh, Folks want to know about all these conspiracy theories. In fact, I got a text yesterday about Jade Helm, which is this conspiracy theory about the military's maneuvers and practicing and taking over America. And they're asking me because they've been hearing. And because they've been hearing, they want to know what I have to say or what do I think. And so I told them concerning Jade Helm, which is a military conspiracy, I said, all conspiracy theories have elements of fact and elements of fear and elements of unsurety, just like all stereotypes have an element of fact about them. But if all you ever do is feed on prepper philosophy, your faith will be built in that. If all you ever do is feed on conspiracy theory, your faith will be built on that. If all you ever do is watch Discovery Channel, you'll be a weird Christian even discoveries of the Bible will make you a messed up Christian. Uh, history of the Bible, etc. And so, faith—our faith—is is always being attacked. The devil knows our faith is up for grabs. It all comes through propaganda, television, media, social media is all about propaganda. And so, our faith is based on what we're hearing. We have to make sure we hear the Bible more than anything. If you're a book reader, and I enjoy reading books, make sure you spend more equal or more time in the Bible. If you don't spend equal or more time in the Bible, then your faith is going to be based upon what you're reading. Uh, You know, sadly enough, uh, that movie Avatar came out a couple years ago. You know, the James Cameron movie with all the CGI and the big blue people on some distant planet, total ripoff of Dances with Wolves. Highest grossing movie of all time. Partially because some people went and saw it seven, eight, and nine times. And I remember reading articles about people going through chronic depression and needing psychological treatment because of what was being done to that planet in the movie. I'm not making any joke. There was an article on it because it was becoming such a widespread phenomenon. And there were also people were suffering depression because they wanted to be able to live on that planet because it was so beautiful and there was no way to ever get to it. These are rational American citizens. But they'd gone and seen that movie so many times, that's what their faith was resting on. So what this tells us is as Christians, of course, the Bible told us before, make sure you're in the Word. Make sure you study to show yourself approved. If you're not studying, you're not approved. Amen. And just because you once were approved doesn't mean you currently are. You have to stay up to date. Some believe there is no God. Others believe there are many gods and still others believe in the only one true God. Regardless of what is being believed, faith is in operation. We talked about last week, we can tell what you believe by what your mouth is always talking about and what you're always confessing. You can believe anything you want, but believing it doesn't mean it is true or accurate. Amen to that. You can believe anything you want, but it doesn't mean it's true or accurate. Now, without getting too political, I personally do not believe in global warming. As a geologist, I believe in uh, climate change because we're coming out of an ice age, If we're coming out of an ice age, that means the climate is changing, but the problem is we had about three ice ages before that, so everything warmed up, then it cooled down, and everything warmed up, and everything cooled down. In the modern history of Iceland, the last thousand years, they've had two ice ages. No industrial pollution produced either the global warming or the global cooling that allowed for micro ice ages. But we have a whole society now that is convinced that man is killing the planet because people talk about it constantly. And any scientist that says, wait a minute, I've looked at the same numbers and I'm more qualified. These, are, these, are, these numbers have been fiddled with. Those scientists are thrown out on their ear. And yet people believe it because it's talked about. My point is, whatever you hear, whatever you listen to is going to affect your faith. That is why we as Christians, we stick with the Bible we stick with good preaching. We stick in prayer. What does it matter what they're saying on television if I'm in prayer and the Lord says otherwise? How many times do the Old Testament prophet says, you listen to people that said there's peace and safety, and I, the Lord, says there is no peace or safety? And how many times do the world say, it's all coming to an end, but the prophet of God said, tomorrow, gold, uh, food will be cheap, and there'll be water aplenty. And today, they are, they're eating their babies. But tomorrow, There'll be plenty of food to eat. How could that happen except God did it and God revealed it to a prophet? We have to be careful. In these last days, we don't give ourselves over to fear. Fear is a very easy emotion to feed. Uh, if you're like me or, you know, you want to stay up to date, it's very easy to get caught up with too much news, too much conspiracy theory. Because I'm a pastor, I get links sent to me all the time. And then folks follow up. Did you get the chance to listen to that, Pastor Chris? Or Pastor, whether I'm their friend or, or they're pastor And some of it, I just like, I don't know about that. I just really don't care. Uh, The Lord's not talking to me about any of that. Not to mean that isn't happening, but I got sheep to feed. I got a spaceship to build for VBS. That's what God's talking to me about. So we have to be careful. In this day, fear is rampant and it wants to eat our faith like a cancer. Cancers can't exist without live tissue to feed on. And fear can't exist without live faith to breed on. So guard your faith. Not all men have faith in Christ Jesus, 2 Thessalonians 3, 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not the faith or all men have not faith. Now this is talking about specific Christian faith. Uh, Romans says all men have the faith or have faith, but not all men have the faith. Wicked people don't have the faith. So here we have a one translation gives it that definite article, the faith, which we understand to be Christian faith. 1 Peter four seventeen, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? We see here that faith is tied to obedience. So you can hear something, but until you act on it, it doesn't mean you necessarily believe it. But you can tell you're beginning to develop faith in something because you start talking about it. What about this jade helm? What, what about this conspiracy? Well, you know, it's one thing to read it and say, well, oh, that's an interesting hypothesis. Theories can predict and tell you where things are going. Hypothesis is just a speculative answer or an explanation. Most of these should be called conspiracy hypotheses because they don't predict anything except that people are crazy. You can tell, it's almost like stages of faith. You begin to hear it and you can tell it's taking root because you start talking about it. You can tell it's really in you because then you start acting on it. And so we need, to, we need to be able to measure our own mouth, measure our own faith by what we're talking about and what we're acting on. My, my dad growing up and even now he still talks about the Christians that just have a said faith. They just talk about being a Christian. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to know and learn. We can all learn information and regurgitate it in this information age. But unless we're acting on it, we have to really argue. Is it true, solid, sound faith? We have to be doers of the word. It doesn't matter. You might have the answers for somebody. Somebody. But if it's not doing it for you, it's not answering your problem and you'll die and be a source of confusion or your marriage will implode and you'll be a source of confusion or your money will go bad and it'll be a source of confusion. Well, they had all the answers. Doesn't mean they were doing any of it. Just like the the lung cancer doctor who smokes cigarettes. He has the answer for everybody, including himself, but it doesn't mean it's benefiting him any. Faith is like a human muscle. Every human has the same general muscular build with the same amount of muscles. This is this is, you know, women are built differently, but they have the same muscles. And uh, you know, you've watched some of these women that work out, you can see, yeah, that looks like a baby female. That's conan conaness. She's like a female conan. We all have the same muscle structure, but we don't all have the same amount of muscle. And you get muscle by working out. Some some people that say I've got muscles, but it's just buried under a beautiful layer of lard. You got the potential. Some, of, some people lay in bed, and they, their muscles are all atrophied, and so they're like rubber bands, little slithery, tenue, uh, sinuous tendons. If they were to begin to work, they could develop their muscles again. Some develop their muscles, and they become bodybuilders. Others cover their muscles with a thick layer of blubber. In the end, we each have the same number of muscles, but we are responsible for developing the muscle of faith you can never say something like "And you, I hear this all the time well I could never do that well that's faith I could never move to Uganda I could never move to Kentucky as a single parent I could never make the sacrifice you're right but you're so wrong at the same time I could never bench press 300 pounds sure you could if you started working out and really wanted to I could never run a marathon sure you could I don't like running races because I'm too competitive and I'll drive myself to the point of too much pain. The other reason I don't like running races is because the fat person always passes me up and I think, how are you this big and you just blew past me like I was standing still? I've run enough races to have that feeling of defeat where you, man, I hurt and I'm feeling good and then here comes like the 60-year-old and just runs right past me. You can run a marathon if you want to and you can do all things through Christ if you want to, but it doesn't happen overnight. What we live too much of the time is under a defeatist attitude, and yet that's faith. That's faith in the ability to not, rather than having faith in the ability to. We have more faith that we're going to fail than faith that we'll succeed. Like they said of David, all of Israel said, he's too big, we can never win. And David said, he's too big, I can't miss. <laughs> the problem is the same, perspective is totally different. Amen. How do we develop this muscle of faith? Faith comes by hearing. This is how we start. Faith comes by hearing. Every believer desires to have great faith in God or greater faith. I I should say every great believer desires to have greater faith in God. I I believe there would be some Christians out there that don't want any more because they know if they get more faith, God's going to require more of them. And in this American age, we're afraid of losing more of us. Because one of the things I tell you guys in Christ, promotion looks like more work. That's what promotion looks like. In this kingdom, you look at Paul, what did promotion look like? His missionary circle got bigger and bigger and bigger. You look at King David, what did his promotion look like? Killed lion, killed bears, killed a Goliath, killed thousands, became a king, ruled nations, and conquered civilization. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you're a lazy Christian with those atrophied, blubber-covered muscles, you're terrified of getting stronger because then you might have to do more, and many Christians are in love with not doing more. They're in love with, I guess, themselves. I'm not really sure. So I'm going to say every great believer desires to have greater faith in God, and hopefully that's every one of us here. Jesus even commanded that we have faith in God, so really... If you don't develop your faith and progress in life, you're going to be held accountable because it is, a, it is a commandment. It is the understood imperative. You have faith in God, Mark 11 there. What that means is every year we walk with God, we ought to be increasing. Our personalities ought to be changing. Now, again, one of the greatest lies in America based on the psychological devolution of the 50s and 60s is, well, this is just who I am. The Lord made me this way. Well, then the Lord made you messed up. No, the Lord didn't make you that way. Civilization made you that way. Your culture made you that way. Your, your bad decisions made you that way. Your good decisions fed it a certain direction. What that means is that you don't have to change. If this is the way God made you, then the lame excuse excuses you from having to change to bear all nine fruit of the Spirit. What about gentleness? I pick on the Yankees. Well, we're just Yankees. No, you're just rude. As opposed to the Southerners that smile at your face and stab you in the back. At least the Yankee just stab you in the face. But somewhere in the middle is the gospel. (laughs) It doesn't have knives. It has a sword of the spirit. Or, you know, uh, well, I'm just Italian. You're just mean. I'm a redhead. You just know I'm part Irish. Well, you don't sound Irish. You sound hillbilly. That's all I got this morning is hillbilly accents. I'm sorry. (laughs) You just know she's a redhead pastor. Well, she's a Jezebel is what you mean. Her mother's Irish. It's not my fault. But she can change if she wants. We have to make sure that as a Christian we're changing. That even means our personalities. A bulk of what we need to get out of us is mom and dad. Amen. Because mom and... Now, we all all had moms and dads we love, hopefully. I'm going to speak generally. And we all had good moms and dads that did the best they could from, you know, 1920s education and a 1920 understanding of God, but I don't think we want to be mom and dad to our family. We love them, God bless them, God rest them, God spare them, may they enjoy heaven, but it's got to stop with us. So faith is looking to take more territory, and if you're going to serve God, you ought to be different next week and different next month, because if I work out, my muscles ought to be getting stronger. If I run, I ought to be slimming down a little bit. I ought to be getting stronger, more muscular. You ought to be able to see a change, if we can't see a change and you're not really developing faith, the word being preached is falling on deaf ears. And Jesus said they have ears to hear, but they don't hear. They have eyes to see, but they can't see. They have a heart that's calloused and cannot understand. And these were the people he was preaching to and raising their dead and healing their sick. And if Jesus said that's the testimony of his ministry, you got to know what's happening today under little shepherds like me. He was the great shepherd. I'm just an under shepherd. So, Jesus commanded that we have the faith of God. The disciples requested that the Lord Jesus would increase their faith, but there are no shortcuts to great faith. Romans 10, 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We we quote this a lot. The Greek says hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. So we can't say, oh, I've heard this sermon before. I've heard this sermon before. A couple years ago, uh, some I was te- we were having somebody teach another Sunday school lesson, and they said, "Oh, I've already heard that before." And I said, "Well, it hasn't done you any good. Have you looked at yourself lately? You ought to take." I did. I said, "You ought to take it again, because if you're going to have that kind of attitude, you need to be thumped a little bit." "Oh, I've heard that before." "All right, well then, teach the lessons." "Well, if you've really got it down, how come the Lord didn't tell me to have you teach it?" "And how about we ask your spouse if you really mastered that lesson?" <laughs> The point is, faith comes by hearing. Just because you heard it once doesn't mean you really heard it. Uh, Jesus Christ said several times throughout the Gospels, again I say unto you, to his 12 disciples, how many times did they hear it? you, You know what irritated Jesus the most was his own disciples when he said, you people, how long must I put up with you? That's what the New Living Translation says there in Mark 9 when they can't cast the demons out. How long must I put up with you? To his own 12. These were guys that they spent every waking and sleeping hour with Jesus hearing the same message over and over again. They heard Isaiah 61 preached a thousand times, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me and they still didn't get it. So we cannot be arrogant and think, well, I've heard this message before. I've heard this sermon before. I remember being in Indianapolis, sitting at the pool at the apartment complex that I lived in, Amley, apartments in the summer of 2004, listening to Pastor Von preach on my Walkman, because we still got tapes back then. We were always a little bit behind the times. 11 years ago, still listening to tapes in my Walkman, Sony Walkman uh, poolside edition. And Pastor Von was preaching on grace, God's ability to work in and through you and do what you can't do yourself. And it clicked Now I'd been a part of this church for nine years in 2004 and it clicked and I finally understood what it meant to have God's ability in my life. And I remember laying there at the pool going, it has taken nine years of me hearing pastor teach on the message of grace, God's ability before I got it. Nine years. Just to say, just because we heard a message once doesn't mean it's working in our life. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing and by hearing over and over again, Pastor John Osteen in heaven—he's—he's he's dead. He used to say the power of pastoring is repetition. Uh, the power of parenting is repetition. I was—who was I talking with? Somebody here in the church that has like a two-year-old or three-year, old and they were getting their kid to say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no. And I said they got so discouraged, and I said it's a ten-thousand-to-one investment. I said what? I said you'll say yes, sir. 10,000 times before they say it once out of their own free will because that's training and that's why a lot of parents won't teach their kids manners because it takes too much persnickety tenacity and americans don't have it i would hope in my church our kids have manners and if they don't i blame the parents now i've gone from teaching to pastoring a little bit (laughs) my manners have opened tremendous doors for me in life And they still open doors for me. And your kids, if they're rude, they've already got doors slammed. So you might as well invest in them and teach them yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. It's not a Southern thing. It's an honor thing. It's honor. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. It does not come by having heard. You must hear and keep hearing. You will believe what you are hearing if you hear it enough. Just think about how many uh, American Christians have had their doctrine robbed from, the, uh, from biblical sexuality to homosexuality. And now it's like 60% of America supports gay marriage and yet 80% of America calls themselves Christians. Their faith was robbed. They, even the secular media marvels at how quickly the cultural tide has turned in the last five years. They marvel. They said, the dynamic is changing. The culture is changing. It's a cultural revolution. The Christian churches are falling one by one because faith isn't what you heard. Faith is what you continue to hear and continue to hear and continue to hear. That's why we, thank God, we stick with the Bible that hasn't changed in 2,000 years. We don't need the Book of Mormon. We don't need something that was added by an illiterate sex fiend of a Methodist washout named Joseph Smith, who was lynched for a bad business dealing in southeastern Illinois. We have the Bible it's written by holy men of God, not men that get shot in the stomach when the guys raid his jail. Joseph Smith was martyred. The they, Mormons say he was martyred. You were arrested for a bad newspaper business deal, and the good people of Illinois didn't like you. They broke into the jail and shot you in the stomach and killed you. That's how Joseph Smith died, even though he had all these women, and he was a Methodist washout and illiterate and demonized and a pervert. Yeah, we don't need anything new. We got a 2,000-year-old book that hasn't changed. So our faith should only be getting better. It shouldn't be dissolving. Jesus said you must take heed how you hear. So be careful in these days. Daniel prophesied that knowledge would abound, uh, that they'd be running to and fro, hearing and telling things. Uh, Matthew says that false prophets shall abound, false Christ, false teachers, and they all want to prophesy something. Dr. Barclay refers to the prophets of the land, which he basically refers to as the media and polit- politicians. Those are the prophets of the land declaring how it's going to be. I I, I agree with his statement because I, I see many of them operate in the spirit of Antichrist. So they are prophets. They're just false prophets. And what they're declaring is true, though. It is coming to pass because they're operating in the end of the world spirit, this Antichrist spirit that is trying to bring about its agenda. So be careful what you hear. If you're one to troll the Internet for conspiracy theories, limit yourself because you're goofy. There, There's going to be elements of truth to chemtrails. There's going to be elements of truth to, you know, ancient civilizations. There's going to be elements of truth to Jade Helm. There's going to be elements of truth to eugenics. There's going to be elements of truth to all this stuff. We don't know the fullness of it. I was telling somebody, we were, I was working with somebody the other day on some, working on some doctrinal stuff, and they said, what do you think about this subject? And I said, well, I like to stay close to the campfire where the light's the brightest. You can get out there if you want to, but the light's a little dimmer. It flickers, and the Bible only hints at that. Stay close to the campfire. One one sound hermeneutical philosophy is where the Bible is loud, you be loud. Where the Bible is quiet, you be quiet. Where the Bible's sparse, that's what you emphasize there, sparse. Where the Bible's rich, that's where where you dwell. Amen. When, when, uh, when nations or, or territories are rich, population explodes there. Where lands are sparse, population stays sparse there. Kind of helps us in our doctrine. Faith in God's word only comes by hearing his word. So if you want to have strong faith in God and strong faith in God's ability to work and move through you, that's what you need to feed on. Whatever you feed on is what's going to define your life. As a pastor... I, I know our flock, I know you guys, and I know your giftings, your callings, and your abilities. I specifically and purposely have people come in to minister to you that I need to stand in front of you so you can see it can be done. I bring in missionaries who left off so that those of you called to be missionaries will say, if they can do it, I can do it. Building your faith. Those, you know, singers, we bring in singers so you can see what a different singing or psalmist anointing looks like. So you go, they got it, I want it. We do these things to build your faith. We do these things to stretch you. Everything I do around here is built to stretch the Christian because I, I don't, I'm not, um, oh, what's the gay jazzercise guy? Richard Simmons. I'm not Richard Simmons, and you're not sweating to the oldies around here. If anything, I'm Conan. And you need to be Conan too. Amen. We, that's the kingdom. This ain't the Cub Scouts or the Wee Belows. This is the army of the living God. Amen. God spoke to Abram and Abram believed him. When's the last time God spoke to you? Well, right now through his word he's talking to you, but on your own in prayer, in Bible study. It caused Abram to become the father of faith. Notice God speaking to you will make you a father or a mother of faith. But the only way God can speak to you is if you spend time in his word You spend time in prayer. You spend time serving God. Jesus Christ said, Matthew, come take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Some Christians never contribute anything to the local church. They won't get involved in the helps ministry. Jesus Christ set forth a spiritual principle. There's certain things you're only gonna learn of Jesus in the ministry of helps. The yoke... Jesus' yoke, a yoke is for work. It's for plowing a field. Jesus said, are you tired and heavy burdened and laden down? Yes, that's me. I'm exhausted. Take my yoke on you. What? (laughs) Here you have an exhausted cow and the Lord says, you're an exhausted cow? Mmm. Let me put my yoke on you. That doesn't make any sense. But the Bible says, if you need money, give it away. The Bible says, if you're weak, say you're strong. If you're poor, say you're rich. So it would only make sense this upside-down kingdom would say uh, one of the best ways to learn of God is when you're exhausted, work for him. And when you work for God, you'll find strength. In fact, even Isaiah 40, 31 says, those that wait upon the Lord, as in like a a servant, like a waiter, serve him, they shall renew their strength. No, you don't understand, Lord, I need some more downtime. Me and my lazy boy have not melded yet. It's like the Vulcan butt meld, where they just come together. And, um, some of you catch that joke. Others are like, he just said butt in Sunday school. How much, how much more relaxing can you do? Have you ever noticed when you sleep, you get more tired? And yet you can go and go and go and have more energy and don't even realize where's... You'll eventually have to take a nap. But some people, they're like addicted to Naps. I don't know. Just say no. Just just say no. So there's certain things uh, you're not going to learn from God unless you're serving Him in a local church, in the mission field, etc. You're not just called to come and warm a chair. We need you in the ministry of helps, so whatever that takes. And that's that's where God will be able to speak to you. Jeff Harris has helped really rig a lot of this stuff on our VBS spaceship, and it was so neat. He said the Lord told him he had a motor he needed. He said, I was thinking. I got to get a motor that's going to help propel this thing for VBS. And he said, the Lord reminded me I had the motor. Well, God would have not had to talk to him in that capacity had he not been working on a spaceship for VBS. So that you don't know what God's going to do if you don't get busy. So many folks want to sit and wait. And God talked to me, God talked to me, God talked to me, God talked to me. You're not doing anything. You don't need direction. When my kids are asleep, I don't talk to them. When my wife is asleep, we don't talk when my kids are asleep like many Christians are they're good for nothing and yet I got three passages Romans Ephesians and Corinthians it says awake to righteousness amen all right an Ethiopian politician gained faith to be born again and water baptized after he heard Philip preach to Jesus uh, preach Jesus to him he was able to believe with his whole heart hearing produces faith for salvation. So hearing and having a relationship with God will make you a father a mother of faith, which you need to be, or a grandfather, a grandmother. Faith also produces, hearing produces faith for salvation. And yet, even in that hearing, there has to be an action. You have to go down to the water and be baptized. You have to come down to the altar call. You have to cry out. All faith requires action. All faith requires some kind of movement, some kind of motion. Again, to quote Pastor Aaron from Iceland, he said, how can you tell somebody's called? Look and see what they're doing. If they're not doing, they're not called. Because when you're called, boy, it just propels you. It compels you to do something. Cornelius' household believed on the Lord Jesus as they heard Peter preach Christ unto them. The Holy Spirit confirmed their faith by falling upon them and filling them. This is another example of hearing, producing faith for salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, as a pastor, I can have what I preach, And so what I do as a pastor, let you know how this thing works, but anybody in the secular world knows how to do this too. If I need to get our church someplace, I just start talking about it. I start teaching it from the Word. I I basically have to build the railroad tracks through my preaching. And then I say, all aboard. And everybody says, well, what other option is there? It's what you've been talking about for six months. And away we go. You can do the same thing in your life. If there's something uh, deficient in your life and you want... You don't have enough joy in your marriage. You can start talking about joy in your marriage and start reading scriptures about joy in your marriage and you can build railroad tracks that'll take your life to the joy oasis. Or if you need favor on your job or you're out of sorts with your boss or you need energy for your body, you can have what you say. Or if you, even if you don't have the faith for it, but you need the faith for it, start feeding on God's word. When the Lord starts dealing with me about the next big project, I start finding those who've done it before me And I get around them because their faith is contagious. Oh, it's easy, Pastor Chris. This is what you do. It's easy? Yeah. We did this and we did this. Don't do that. And you get around folks that are greater than you. That's how you get better at it. Show me how to do this. What we do, though, is we avoid people who are better than us because we feel insecure. Because we have an ego. Well, the best people in the world got to be the best people in the world by running with people that were better than them. That's faith, too. You can't stay at home and isolate yourself in this cocoon of self-pity or this cocoon of lazy or this cocoon of excuse and have any any amount of faith worth bragging about. You've got to get out and do. The, the, we are called the church. The Greek word is ekklesia. It means in the Greek, those called out of private into a public arena. You cannot have biblical ekklesia faith at home. If you have faith in Christ, it's going to compel you to be in the public arena Preaching the gospel, helping in the local church, being in the ministry of helps, doing something with your business, it's going it's, to, it's worth nothing. A battery, a flashlight's worth nothing on the docking station. A computer's worth nothing turned off. So this thing called faith, and maybe that's why Christians run from it, because they know it's going to require something of them. More and more Christians, now you guys aren't, because you guys are a hardworking church, but many, many Christians, they are just addicted to the Sunday morning sermon, And they don't want anything else to interfere with their life. I would tell that Christian that they are probably doomed. Because they are violating the gospel. The gospel says that those that seek to save their life shall lose it. They're trying to preserve their life, their way of living, their comfort. They're doing their best to stay American with a little bit of hand on the gospel. But Jesus Christ said those that lose their life... Lose your dreams, lose your ambitions, lose your plans, lose your whatever you, you constructed in the architecture of your mind. If you'll give that up for Christ, he says you'll find true life. That's faith. A crippled man heard Paul preach the gospel and gained faith to be healed of his handicap. This is an example of faith for Healing. The Bible says, as Paul preached the gospel, he steadfastly looked upon a man that had been crippled and perceiving the man had faith to be healed. He said, stand up on your feet and walk. And he stand, leaped, ran, jumped, and had a good time. He heard Paul preach on healing and it built a faith within him. He still had to act. You, like James says, you say you have faith, I'll show you mine. That's what we have to realize is our faith has to be visible if we're building it and developing it, it's going to, where people are going to be able to see a change in us. Disciples at Ephesus obtained faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they heard Paul talk about it. An example of hearing producing faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When folks talk about something, it produces a hunger in you. And I, I'm, I'm still kind of sorting this out in doctrine. You know, you could talk about, uh, go back to Iceland. We had rotten shark in Iceland. You could talk about rotten shark all day long, and 99.99% of the world's population would never take interest. So to me, that says there's something you can talk about it, but it's not going to answer to anything in somebody's heart. The 0.1% is a handful of folks in Iceland that like eating rotten shark. Or you can talk about pizza, and probably 80% of the world would step up and be hungry. Because you, you, you piqued their interest, you piqued their hunger. So it makes me wonder, if we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and talk about it, and we have folks that aren't Spirit-filled, why aren't they hungry to get it? And we talk about laying down your life for the cross and laying down your life for the cross, and folks, some folks will step up and say, I want to do that, and others will say, meh. You're, you're, there's a call, but there's no response. Deep the deep things of God are not able to answer the deep things in somebody else because their heart's not in line with the Word of God. You need to make sure, like the psalmist said, he said, Lord, when, your heart, when you said, seek me, my heart said, oh, Lord, I will seek you. You've got to make sure that even when the Word is being preached and it doesn't answer anything in you, you at least say in your heart, Lord, I don't agree with the Word. Maybe not what I'm saying, but you have to agree with the Bible. Says I don't agree with it, but I want to agree with it. Lord, I'm terrified you might call me to Africa like the Scudders. I'm terrified you might call me to another state. I'm, but if you'll help me, I'll obey. You can't ever shut the door. You don't have the right to shut the door to God. You have to say, Lord, whatever you want. And I, you wouldn't believe how many Christians can't say that with a blank check to God. Lord, anything you want in my life, you can have. Because we're afraid of him. We're terrified he might take that precious little idol from us. And anything you're afraid to give God is an idol. It's a little false God. It's a, and isn't it amazing how that little false God, whether it's a hobby or a child, we're not talking about sacrificing a child, but at some point your kid's supposed to leave home. Right? You've got to sort that thing out when the kid's a baby and you've got to be able to hold that kid and say, Lord, whatever you want for my child. That's hard. But once you get over it, you say, yeah, this is God's weapon. And there's some days you're like, Lord, take the kid now. It's your weapon, preemptive strike. <laughs> Maybe Hannah, you know, Hannah wanted that baby so bad, she wanted it, wanted it, wanted it, she got it. It's like, whoa, Lord, you can have it. Here, raise it in your temple, it's yours. I give it. <laughs> that might have been a bad day and her faith kicked in on that bad day and Samuel became a prophet. No, you, you've got you've to be willing to give everything up to God and that's faith. Knowing he has better for you if he's asking for something. And that thing that he takes from you, I should say the thing he asks of you, what is that to him anyway? Nothing. He doesn't need it. He just needs your heart to not worship it. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your child. He doesn't need your car. He doesn't need whatever thing you're terrified of. He just needs you to not have faith in it. And if you could get your faith out of it, you could keep it. Until then, he's going to have his hand on it to get rid of it. So it's all about keeping your heart right. Disciples at Ephesus, oh, we covered that already, they obtained faith for the baptism when they heard Paul talk about it. That's why we come to church to hear the word, to provoke our faith, to hear pastors say this or the guest minister say that. And at some point in the preaching of the word, whether it's me, somebody on the radio, a CD, a guest minister, your heart will say, I want that. And that becomes faith. And it grows from there because faith comes by hearing. To be strong in faith, you will need to develop a lifestyle of reading the Bible, speaking the Bible, listening to the word being preached, and sharing the word with other people. The foundation of strong faith is built upon the word of God. I would say the foundation of evolution is built upon education, or I should say uh, government indoctrination. The, the foundation of homosexuality is built upon uh, perverse dogma and pr- uh, propaganda. Your foundation is built upon whatever you feed on, spiritually. And you can be reading comic books, and that's actually spiritual. It can spiritually affect you. You can read novels, and it's spiritually built a foundation, but not a good one. My, I, i've often shared this when we were first taking over the church pastoring and there was so much going on i remember my, my wife being frustrated we had to cancel some things because the lord just wouldn't permit us to do it and my wife being young in the faith well not the faith but young in ministry as i was but i had more ministry experience i remember we had this serious discussion she was upset and just didn't understand why everything was so does everything have to be so spiritual now not fruitcake spiritual but spiritual implication to everything we do and i said, honey. This is the kingdom. We pastor. God is a spirit. Yes, everything is spiritual. And if the Lord doesn't permit us to go on a vacation, then so be it. He'll make it up to us. And you have to realize that everything we're doing, especially as we're coming closer and closer to the last day. We're in the last days, but there'll be a singular last day. Everything has spiritual implication. That doesn't mean we get fruit cakey and have to pray about going to get milk or not. But you have to realize everything you're doing is building or taking away from your foundation. Everything you're doing is either fortifying your foundation or slowly etching it. You can afford maybe some etching in ignorance, but if you know it's etching you like acid rain on a limestone foundation, don't keep hosing your foundation with acid rain. Do something to prevent the thing. That's why good parents say, I don't want my kids watching that TV show. I don't want my kids, we like I, I, with Lydia, so many of the cartoons now talk about death and I don't want Lydia running around saying, that, I'm going to kill you. Where did you get that from? Now when she turns six, seven, eight, you know, that's, at some point you understand death and she's already been to several funerals because we do funerals, so she gets it, but there's things I don't want in her foundation yet. And God's the same way for you and me. Certain things we're not supposed to know about yet, so leave it alone and don't let your faith be built upon that. All right, faith can also be placed in man's word. We've kind of covered that, but with the few minutes we have left. Ten Israelite spies brought back an evil report about the promised land. Now, they saw the exact same thing as the two good spies, but the Bible calls these guys slanderers. They saw the exact same thing, but they had a different interpretation. That's how it is in the local church. You got 200 people. You got 100 people. All see the same thing. Half the church has one interpretation. The other church has another interpretation. One's evil. One's good. All of the people believed them and murmured against God. They believed man's word, though they had not actually seen the land for themselves. So here's the problem. They believed... One man's word and not the other man's word, and both men were coming from the same journey and both men had a different interpretation. They chose to believe what they wanted to believe. You and I will choose to believe what we want to believe. It's a choice. Your faith is a choice. I can choose to disbelieve in evolution, though I fully understand the hypotheses of it because it's not a theory, though it's taught as a spiritual or a spiritual, a scientific fact. I choose not to believe in it because I see gaping holes in it as well. I choose to believe in God. I don't fully understand the flood. I don't fully understand Joan and the well, but I choose to believe in it. Some of these folks choose to believe in global warming or climate change or whatever it's going to be called next. Now they're saying the sun is cooling down and we're going to have record lows. So did my car output affect the sun? Make up your mind, you globalist propagandizers. It's a choice. You choose to believe you can do it or you choose not. You choose to believe God will come through or you choose not. You choose to believe you're dying or you choose not. It's a choice. And all we can do is try to encourage you to believe the right thing. How many times did God have to say, just trust me? Just believe me. "Just, Just trust me. Then he'd even try to talk him into it. He'd logically walk his people through it. Have I ever let you down? Has my hand ever grown short? Did I not provide manna in the wilderness? Did I not provide water out of a rock? Did I not bring you across the Jordan? The Lord is having to logically walk them through their own history because they're choosing to not. You and I can do the same thing. We can choose to logically walk ourselves through our own testimony book to build our own faith. You as husbands will have to do that with your wives. Sometimes you wives will have to encourage your husbands to say, has God ever failed us? Has God ever let us down? I'd encourage every one of you to have a a family book of remembrance where you write down your testimonies and your healings and your supernatural provisions. When has God ever failed you? When has he ever ignored you? Never. All right, they believe man's word, though they had not actually seen the land for themselves, so they chose to believe 10 spies and not God. Gossip and slander can affect your faith and change what you believe about someone, even God. About 90% of what's on Facebook is anti-God slander amen whether you like that or not it is and on top of that Facebook's tracking you anyway and they're going to be censoring you before too much longer I believe because they're a bunch of pagans that are damned for hell so use the tool while you can just don't be used by it many Christians will even change their faith in God once they get to college or around philosophizing humanists a bunch of idiots The Bible tells us some Christians will even depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. That's talk. Seduction is all about relationship. You can't get seduced by somebody you don't know. Seduction, it it happens to you and you know it is and you give into it anyway. Deception, you're, you're duped and don't know it. Seduction is a choice. You choose to be seduced. You know it's not right, but you go along with it. These Christians know what they're listening to is not right, but they choose. And then they start believing doctrines of devils. They will listen to another voice and change their faith and doctrine. You must be careful what you're listening to, church. There are many opinions and perverse doctrines in the earth seeking to indoctrinate you. The world system is run by Satan himself, and he has his own propaganda machine he uses to pervert all of mankind. His propaganda machine includes everything everywhere. Comic books, multimedia, social media, uh, entertainment, Hollywood, radio, music, everything around you, billboards, is all satanic propaganda. Now, we're not going to get like demon-worshipping ah! propaganda, but, you know, uh, you know, fitness billboards with hot chicks and sports bras. Christian men don't need that, but it sets them off of down a path. Peer pressure, you know, everything, beer at the restaurants, all that is propaganda to the flesh. So when your faith is strong, it doesn't even move you. Stick with the word of God and whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good, report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. Those are the things we stick with. Let that be the thing your faith feeds on and you'll have strong, strong faith. So this is how to get faith by listening. You all have faith. The question is how much of it's invested in God. Amen. Because we all have faith. Those that have a lot of faith invested in God are doing a lot for God. Those that have little faith invested in God do little for God. In the end, it's all about what you're doing and not just what you're hearing. Father, I thank you for helping our Sunday school. Bless these lessons on faith. May they strengthen and encourage the hearer, and may they produce great fruit for you. In Jesus' name, amen.